to the Subjective Comedy Podcast with Brad Scott. Brad Scott is a mediocre comedian from Indianapolis. This is his show. If you don't think it's funny, remember, comedy is subjective. We're downloading the premiere episode of The Showdown. And uh, we... The Showdown! <laughs> 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 uh, we, yeah, thank you. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of WrestleMania, your father's favorite podcast, and your mom hates it. The My Way Podcast with Brad and Corey. Welcome to the sequel machine. The Brad Scott experience. Brad Scott's redemption. Brad Scott live. Subjective comedy starts right now. Do me a favor. If you do, if you guys do want to hit the script of course tonight, just be careful. Don't upset it. You wouldn't like this. Please. Oh, I wouldn't. I'm sorry. That's because that's that Bruce Banner. Welcome back to Subjective Comedy. I'm Brad Scott. And today I am on the road live in Benton, Illinois, performing at Uptown Steakhouse Comedy Club, and I'm joined by my co-stars of this weekend. First, the man who drove me here, Rhett Castile. Hello, happy to be here. And welcome back. If you go through the other feed from the old feed... (laughs) The subjective comedy that you see on your podcasting uh, platform with a chalkboard, not the one that's the the transcolor logos, but the chalkboard one, and go all the way back to the first episode, it was this man right here telling us maybe the greatest story I've ever heard in my entire life. Go back and listen to that, and imagine this. The audio is going to be even worse quality than this one. Josh Springer. Good to be here. Good to be here. Welcome back, Josh. Friend of the show now, I would say. I, uh... I'm an actual comic now. That's so crazy, right? Because right around that time was you were just starting out. Just started. Three years ago. Four years ago. Four years ago. And <laughs> this is crazy. I don't know if we went through this on that last episode. Josh and I met. It was a wonderful meet-cute from your favorite romantic comedy. I uh, was actually happened to be friends with your, uh, at the time, girlfriend, Nikki, from uh, the Smiley Morning Show. It's the biggest radio show here in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And I had known her uh, for, God, years because we ended up always getting uh, put on these events together of like me doing a comedy set for old white people who have no interest in what I'm saying or hate me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she would always like be the hostess. And uh, she was doing a benefit show, or no, it wasn't a benefit show. Yeah, it was a benefit show, celebrity benefit it was show. Scott Long's, uh, yes, celebrity comedy stand up so. at Crackers Comedy Club back in the day. In and the, day. Uh, the Tuesday before that is the open mic. Yeah, and Josh went up and it. First time on stage, right? Correct, yeah. I was the, uh, I got invited to do the celebrity stand-up via 
via Nikki. So Nikki, and then I got to do it because of Bottoms Up, I guess, quasi-celebrity or whatever. And they invited both of us and put us back-to-back so we could play off of each other. Um, but I'm the only one that did it that actually went and did an open mic ahead of time to be like, I need to get my Which, knowing me. you now, is the most you thing <laughs> in history, which is, yeah. oh, I'm going... Which, by the way... It sounds crazy that you're the exception with that way of thinking. That's how we all should think about everything, right? I like, think about everything. I'm going I wish to... I'd recorded that set. I didn't record it. Well, do you think most people, honestly, I think almost fear any sort of new experience because, like, not thinking about that. Like, oh, I should just go, pr- you know, find a way to practice or whatever for it. Mm-hmm. And most people don't think that way, but that is absolutely the Josh Freer way. And you... How do you think it went, your first three minutes? I think it went okay. I mean, I, I honestly, I, you know, you, we've all seen the movie Old School where uh, Will Ferrell's in the debate class and he just fucking blacks out. And he's like, what happened? That is kind of the experience. How th- yeah, it's yeah. like... Uh, I honestly really don't remember it I at all. It. Yeah. Just kind of go into it. Yeah. That's your adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Just, just in a fugue state. I was like, oh. Right. I saw you afterwards because you have I got this, some laughs. So, you know, I don't well, you have this natural likability. And, like, I've been doing comedy at that point for over 15 years, and I've gotten, I've, I feel like I'm at a point, especially now, I can kind of, I don't need an audience to kind of make an assessment of a comic. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people tend to do that, a lot, especially a lot of people who aren't in comedy, is when they hear the entire audience laugh, this person is really good. Mm-hmm. And there's, sometimes we, all three of us know, there's a lot of shows where the funniest person and who is doing the best material or whatever isn't getting the most laughs for that ever. And then you start, kind of get to a point where you yeah. can decipher through that. And you had this natural likability and uh, kind of like boyhood charm. <laughs> and then uh, I said, like, good set to you or something. And that was it. Mm-hmm. That was like the end of the interaction. I had no clue who you were. Right? Just another random person open coming up with the open mic. Mm-hmm. And I was working that weekend at Crackers, but I had been given the night off because uh, they made it very clear I am not a celebrity, <laughs> even on the local variety. And I decided to go watch anyways because I know Scott. He's a really good buddy. I come out to the Scott show. I see Nikki, my friend. And I'm like, oh, Nikki. And she does this great set. And then who do they announce? Me. Josh Springer. The guy I just watched do his first set ever. And he fucking destroys it. He <laughs> killed it. I am murdered. I still haven't done that well ever again. Like, Well, but I'm here's real. the thing. You will at some point, but it's just, that was such a unique thing. It was a packed 350-seat room of an energy on a night where it's like celebrity night or yeah. anything like that is un. Everybody was there comparable. to support. Yep. Yeah. One of the most supportive crowds you can get. They're going to love everything. You're also now the adorable boyfriend of our beloved, uh, you know, the, the city's first daughter, Nikki. Yeah. And, so and you, you killed it. And I didn't know this. Not only was the schmuck up here in, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing at the open mic, also happens to have invented a game-changing machine that revolutionized the way that we... Uh, get beer, bottoms up, which, as we all know with the subjective comedy audience, bottoms up, draft beer, warp speed. Yeah, it's actually warp. It's uh, not warp speed anymore. It's hands-free. Ah, because that because of COVID. Hands-free. No, it's, it's <laughs> more <laughs> descriptive of what it does, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah. sure, if you want to skew that way. I don't care. Right. <laughs> Wait, were you afraid of the third? Because I feel you could have gone draft beer, warp speed, hands-free. 
No. Too much? Too much. This is another it, reason I love this that, guy. That's too shattery. <laughs> so then I met him after the show Saturday, and I think, I literally remember, I think the thing I said to you when I came up to you after the show was, hey, it's much more fun when there's people there, right? Because <laughs> the open mic, we had like 18 people. I, well, I did the open, I came back to the open mic, and I remember coming back to the open mic because I don't think I got a single laugh, and that's when I fell in love with comedy. Yeah, you do have this sickness about you. Could you explain <laughs> this weird, just desire you have? I so, really enjoy. I I enjoy uncomfortable situations, mm. and I don't. I don't know. That that's oversimplifying it. You used to call it "I love bombing," but I think that's. I think your thing on that has evolved because you're not bombing. I, I'm not bombing, but it's not. I've never. Let's see. I love bombing. And the reason I love bombing is because I I learn from bombing. I always learn from bombing, and that's how I would get better. So I liked it when I bombed because that meant I was trying something new or pushing me into an area where I had never been. Um, and then I would go back and I'd watch myself. That's not what over. I'm talking yeah. about, Josh. And we what? both know. I'm talking about at times you love to just stand up there and make it as tense <laughs> and uncomfortable as bomb. It's it, it just, it's a yeah, delight to watch is like a comic. You, like, you learn from that. Because it's fun. Because I know you. And again, I don't I don't consider it bombing because we talked about this uh, earlier before the first show we had today. Right. Bombing is not the audience not laughing. Bombing is the comedian visibly losing confidence in what they're doing on stage. And you never did that. And I get, and he would get off the stage and it'd be just like this devilish grin. And it was just like, uh, yeah, it was like your, uh, your kink, your comedy kink. Got a Faustian deal going, don't you? Uh, Yeah. I mean, but it's not like there's other comics that do that. Like, I don't know. You guys have been to the Behringer's mic and you've been to the Fountain Square mic. And oh, those guys know that they have to know they're bombing. They have to know oh, they're bombing. Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> rape your grandma. <laughs> like, dude, what the fuck? Now, what, what are you doing? Did you come up uh, at the time when, I can't remember when it stopped, when they stopped doing it with the mousetrap. Um, no, I just okay. missed that. Okay, because I remember... You didn't miss much. Well, no, at the same I, time... I went to one. It was one of those things. It was kind of like Behringer's where it is so brutal and so awkward at times where you find that desire where you want to keep going back because of it. And, like, I remember, like, being in the mousetrap at, like, one thirty in the morning waiting to go on, and it's, like, uh, St. Patty's. And, like, they're inviting the homeless in off the street to do sets and things like that. <laughs> you know what cures that? Arbitrary artwork. What's that? <laughs> Getting paid for comedy. Right, yeah. yeah. Nothing cures you of not wanting to go sit at an open mic that's <laughs> poorly run, poorly promoted, poorly attended, and is going to involve you being the 28th comic of the night. Mm. Then, oh, no one's giving money for this? Fuck this. Right. It's Friday not- night I get to go get make $200. It's not right. so much that. There's a rule of... What is it called? The rule of thirty, and it said no. It's the rule of three, Josh. 30. That's insane. Thirty no. examples will never work. You'll no, never it's keep a the audience. Scale of one to ten on. Let's see. It's what it pays. One to ten. How much joy will you get out of it? One to ten, and how much are you getting paid? One to ten. So if you use, is that for like anything? It's for it's for anything. Like I, I learned it from a musician. Okay. So that's how they would do the gig. So am I going to do what's this the gig? number? For, for you want to hit thirty, right? So you want to get paid a lot. Oh, you want to get tens on all three? Yeah. Right. But I mean, but no, no. What's the number that you'll do it at? Yeah, that's what I mean. And everybody's scale is different. So I want to know. I'm asking you, what's your number? Um, An open mic? No, 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 no. (laughs) So your scale is 1 to 10, right? On each one, 3 for 30 is the max. Right. But you're not only doing shows to take the max. None of us are in this No, that's what I'm saying. So what's your number that you'll... What's the number that you'll go, nope, 
it only gets a 13 not doing it or a whatever. What's your number? Um, like, I wouldn't... It's pretty... It's higher now, definitely, that I'm getting paid. We're working for it. Yeah. Um, like, I won't go... Rarely will I go to an open mic. So yeah. that's no, no money... Uh, I could be bettering something, but the crowd has to be good. Mm. So it's like a five, is. probably for yeah, most open mics. So I mean, I went to I went. And I, what was the third one? How much you love it? How much you get paid for it? No, it's how much you get paid for it, how much you love it, and how much will it further your career? Got you. So what's the th- and on an open mic two? Yeah, it's a, so it's like it's, a set. It's almost zeros all the way up. Right, unless you're gonna hang out with friends, that's enjoyable to you. I think you can get something out of it creatively, like you said, if the environment's right. So I give that a five. So I call them vomit links, right? So also, I will say that says uh, I give it a little more on the furthering career. Like I give it a two, only because you don't know who's also going to end up being at that open mic that night that you can network with. Maybe I have made networking connections out of open mics before in my career. Again, does not happen often. But it's still, so it's, okay, a one. How about a two on, no, because I think a good open mic audience could give you some. So five on the, on the career, what you get out of it creatively, and a one on the furthering careers, that would be a six. Yeah. It just depends. It's all relative. It's Um, personal. But you were talking about vomit mics. Specific, no, that's what I, so I was, but I had more to say behind that. So like if I, if I have a premise that I've never been able to get out on stage or it's not something, because right now how I build jokes is I'll be, I have, a, you know, I'll be doing a set and then I'll work in something new and then I'll either roll, push harder into it if it went okay, or I'll just bounce right off the fucking thing and go back to material that works right. and move forward. Mm-hmm. But if I have something that isn't even there yet and I just need to get it out of my mouth once so I can hear it, yep. right. I'll go to one of those mics. I'll go to Behringer's or I'll go to the Fountain Square mic or, but that's, that's what I use them for. Because you can't trust that crowd. No. I can't even trust the crowd of whether or not that's funny. And Fountain Square, honestly, it, you're right. It's on the higher end. I think, as far as like open mics right now, currently. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's still you. It's you, not a crowd. It's not. It's, it's a not perfect. Crowd. Exactly. One hundred percent. And I think it's not a bar crowd. There's no women there. Rarely, there's a lot of girls there. So you got to be really conscious and cognizant of that stuff. It's well, awful hipstery. That's and I don't mean that in a, you know, a negative way. It's just that's kind of what they cater to, especially in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different kind of crowd. Well, it, especially in comedy. The thing that drives me crazy about a lot of those open mics as well. Sure. Too many comics. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Anything to me, anything more than ten is pushing your limit. Yeah. Because especially in a place like indie, we do not have enough talent to sustain multiple twenty-person open mics each and every week. Yeah. Because like you can do that in L.A. in New York because. There's a thousand comics who are at my level, and I have to be considered one of the more experienced and trusted. If you're doing an open mic, you, I feel most people would trust to put me on and know that I'm not going to go up there and bury the show or anything, right? Mm-hmm. But in New York, there's a million of me. Here, 20 max. So you're there's just, I don't know how you guys feel, but it's just, it's a lot of... Everybody's going to do five minutes, and by the time you get to the comic, 18th, 19th, it's just the remaining comics before they go on stage sitting there and no one else in the room. It is my opinion that the open mics lack structure. They lack... Like, there's people going up at the Fountain Square mic that I would... If I were running the mic, which I'm not... I don't have any interest in, um, but advice to them would be, like, I would bench them. Be like, hey, if you don't quit talking about fucking your grandma, 
Yeah. You're, right. you're not going to go up this week. We're trying to build an audience as well because you need an audience. There's okay. no there's no open mic in the city that I would ever, ever ask anybody to sit through. Well, it, a civilian. I think a lot of, and you can speak to this as someone who is in the corporate world as well, I think a lot of comics don't think about, like, they treat these open mics as though it should be all about us and that it doesn't like artistic freedom is the most important thing. But what they don't realize is that's not fair to the venue you're doing. First of right. all, because you, the stuff you're talking about, if I'm the owner of that business, I don't want my customers hearing the fucking your grandma thing as being reflective of what you get to when you come to my business right. and comics almost take that as a shop. And it's like, you're not generating enough of anything. You're not Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Exactly. You're talking about trannies. Like that's not your you're not you're not good enough to do that. Exactly. Right? You're yeah. not you don't have the what is that panache? panache like that. Yeah, you don't you can't do that. Like representing a brand. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. you you have to so for a period of time I wore nothing but bottoms up hoodies and I was the quote unquote unofficial. It was like a uh more of a social media thing because I also love his company and and I love Josh. Right. But I couldn't go on social media and put out a bunch of anti-Semitic shit and wearing a bottoms up hoodie, right? Like yeah. you're going, you're going to immediately call me and be like, take this shit down and take the hoodie off. We're about to post our Instagram thing saying that we don't know who the hell you are. You just happen to order a hoodie online, but that's things comics don't think about. And a lot of times open mics aren't put on for the purpose of developing and running a successful open mic. They're put, they're like developed for a comic just wanting to find a place to get on stage once a week, right? Yeah. They're, uh, they, well, comedians, new comics don't understand that the reason, the reason comedians exist is not for their comedy. It is to entertain the people watching their right. comedy. And a lot of people don't know this, but the Beatles were a cover band for, I think, 15 years before they were the Beatles, yeah. right? So that, I'm not saying you should tell other people's jokes. But what I'm saying is they were a cover band and they learned the fuck out of playing music. What was the original insect that they were covering? Like the band's original? Because like if they're the Beatles, then they were obviously. Fun. Yeah, no, I don't know what their fucking name was, but I think it was the Beatles. But they were a cover band and they learned how to be musicians. No, so no, no. I know the Beatles have always been the Beatles. But like if you were going to do a cover band of the Beatles, you might go, we're, and you're all female, we're the Ladybugs. What are you talking about? You said the Beatles were a cover band. They were a cover band. Back were they the covering day. a certain band? In Germany. No, they played all kinds of music. Like, were they covering the Grasshoppers? They, they were like, we're a no, cover no. band called the Beatles. We covered do the song by the Grasshoppers. They would cover anyone. They would just play other Gotcha. Okay. Forever. So the Beatles is original. Yes. It was, it was the same thing with the Rolling Stones. Want to make sure their Every name was wasn't Chuck a cover. Berry. Like, yeah. that was to, like, Chuck Berry to, like, Mick, uh, I mean, to, uh, oh, God. Why when did Charles Keith Manson Richards. join the band? Yeah. Keith Richards was huge with that. When who? Charles Manson joined the band. What band? The Beatles. Was he in the Beatles? No. No. Oh no, he was in the was the Beach with, Boys. Uh, yeah, he was friends with the guy. One of the He's the guy that Boys. that wrote. Uh, you know. Did you know he was part of MK Ultra? Yes. Mortal yeah. Kombat. I'm reading that book right now. Yeah. No, MK Ultra, the LSD experiments the government was doing on people. Oh, yeah. so that's why he thought he was Jesus. Yeah. So that's why. Apparently, he put a, I'm not. That's why he put a swastika on his head. He's fucked. Yeah. Is Charles Manson misunderstood? I think but you so. should really hear his albums. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're a big fan of Manson? Name so, by the way, I, I, this <laughs> is my fault. I completely derailed us. Back to the, the Beatles. No, I'm just saying learn your fundamentals before you start making fucking Beatles music. You know what I mean? Right. No, uh, like, you guys are talking about, like, you know, the, seeing the younger comics not really respecting 
you know, a venue as much, especially like what you were talking about just a minute ago. But the thing is, is the way I've seen it. Change. Hold on, Ray. You need to remind the audience because a minute ago I was talking about the fictional band, the Grasshoppers, and now the Beatles ripped them the off. What was I speaking ones. about uh, specifically? You were saying like how you know, like we've been talking about the fucking your grandma thing. You do it over and over, and then as an owner, you're seeing that come to your business every week. Now, like I saw a shift from because like, I've been doing it ten years. What, Brad? Twenty. We don't like to talk about that. No. Just kind of, just kind of more highlights the Fine. lack of success. Sure. Anywho. A while. Right. There's going to be an edit later. No. Um, thing is, is that I've, I watched a shift in the way that open mics were treated. Because when I started, it was like a training ground plus a proving ground. Then it switched over to now I see it treated more like a playground. Mm. Well, it, it's just very. There's like, some reason behind that, right? But yeah, I agree. And, and I am, I'm totally fine with people wanting to do their thing. It's like you know, I don't. I'm not against your dick joke or anything. It's just I've sat at so many open mics before when I was really trying to hone it and all of that that I've heard it all, practically. So just if you can find an original take on it, that's something. But, like, if you just get, like, I know what you're talking about, like, the old fucking your grandma thing and all that. You just sit there and you watch a crowd that may be there, like at Behringer's, that are eating and they've got family and all that. So, kids. It's just like, you watch them kind of go. The, the, biggest, the, the biggest difference I have noticed in the open mic community right. and comedy community in Indianapolis in general from when I started to now, yeah. which, again, as we covered, is a while. Covers a while. When I started, Crackers was the club, right? right? It was the a place to perform in Indianapolis. And if right. you grew like it's the place in Indianapolis where even if you didn't follow or know anything about comedy, you knew Crackers was the comedy club. Yeah. Then you also had uh, at the time, no, at the time, Funny Bone. Yeah, which is what Morty's became. Okay. It originally was a Funny Bone, and that's actually because I was. But I was lucky enough to get uh, booked for a professional weekend after only doing it for four months. Mm -hmm. And that... Host? Yes. I was hosting your Crackers on weekends after about four months in. But it had a lot to do with the Phony Bone opened. All the people who had been established at Crackers wanted, thought like, oh, well, they should be featuring me at Crackers, but won't. I'm going to go to the Phony Bone when I think they maybe even made promises to people. Of you know we're, we'll feature headline you or whatever if you come mm -hmm. over, and that also I believe is where uh, Anywise started her network in another club. Yeah, like and and then it became Morty's. But you were your so your thought process was you would and I also the Melody Inn was the second oh, open mic oh, I ever did, uh, and it was like you would go to the Melody every Monday, and then you go to Crackers every Tuesday. Every, like the anyone who was doing comedy was either going to the Funny Bone, which is actually more of the guys who have been doing it uh, a couple uh, a couple of times or for a few years at that point, and so all the new people every Tuesday you were at Crackers, and the goal was to get booked to do a weekend at Crackers, right? Mm -hmm. And actually, first you started off with Sundays because my second or third month I started hosting on Sundays, which is you're in a professional show, but you're just hosting and we're not going to pay you. And then you move on to getting a full week. And I feel like that structure is gone now. And so I think you're, have... you're hitting the nail right on the head there with these open mics. There is no prize. 
Exactly, yes. There's nothing to work for. There's for. no reason to There's get better. There's a huge hole right in the middle. There's crackers, which is... I don't even want to talk about it. Um, and then there is helium, which you can't get into helium unless no. you're already good. Helium is unfortunately... it. I feel that it, it's a good club. Yeah. And it's, it's right now club. the best club we have. It's a great club, but it's also booked at a corporate. And you can right. only really get a spot as a local if somebody drops out at the last minute. Or the, uh, they're booking the upstairs room pretty regularly now. But those are the only... Well, so I've... I've worked Helium two weekends. I was actually the first weekend they were ever open. And uh, like a year later, I've never been booked by Indianapolis Helium. Because this is the other way around it. That's one benefit of Helium's uh, formula. The headliners have all the power. So Drew, Drew, yeah, like... Drew made me the the host for our weekend, and then Dave Landau made me his feature for that weekend. Beyond that, I have not been booked, even though I was also, because uh, I, I will say, I've, I've said this about him before, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for it. Drew is one of the best people I've ever known as far as, let me help the people I'm trying to help sustain. So he, when you work with Drew at a club, he will go to the management. Hey, you watched Brad, right? You guys are watching Brad, right? Like he's going to be in the rotation. He does such a good job of that. And I was told by the manager of uh, the Philly location, like, yeah, Brad, absolutely. Just give your avails. And even me, someone who the most in-demand headliner in the country, re- you know, requested to put on his show, who was told by the corporate guy, I can't get a local spot there. It's just, you're right, a very tough nut to crack. And you, so I think you hit. You said I hit on the nail on the head. How do we change that? Like, how do we find some structure? We just need a better club around. Or? Shift. I think a new club will come up. Just gonna take time. They rise and fall all the time. There's some new. There's some new guys on the scene that I briefly talked about last night that are doing some cool shit. I'm excited to see what they're doing. New names, new faces. They're not new comics. Mm-hmm. They know that like Kevin is one of the guys' names. He's. He's doing some cool Kevin? stuff. Kevin? Yeah, he's running the Don't Tell show, and he's got a bunch oh, of cool stuff. Oh, beautiful. Like Kevin Eggleston. Well, you know yeah, who Eggleston. he's, who kind of... Brian Petrie is good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's involved, too. It's nice because they're not in this, they're not from our scene. They're from other scenes, right. and they, they so enjoy running shows. Kind of an amalgamation of yeah. all their kind it's of experience. Great. Well, it is, yeah. Indianapolis is in a bit of a mess right now. Comment, like comedically. Oh, yes. I mean, it, Chris Sims, <laughs> who used to be a server at Crackers... Uh, and used to write for, I think it was Nuvo, did an article that like pissed a bunch of local comics off. That was his title because it was titled "Is the Indianapolis Comedy Scene Dead?" Oh, He's yeah, a thousand percent spot on. I never read the article. Every, I read the headline. Go read. Go read the article. He's a thousand percent right. Everything he talks about and highlights is spot on. And he get, here's and people don't realize the the headline is a question. Right. He's not even stating it. It is. He's just asking because he's pointing out, hey, you notice we had this club closed down, and then we had this club closed down, and well, we noticed there's not as many as open mics around anymore. It's in a real tough spot. We. I feel very <laughs> fortunate to have made it to where I was when Crackers took their catastrophic downturn, and Helium opened. Like I'm in right. a really good spot as far as that goes. I feel really bad for anybody that was a year behind. One. Me. Thousand percent come up right now, right? Because well, dude, I as well because I'm lucky enough that I'm at a point in my career, even if I don't have 
shows booked for months, I can still write, be productive, because I don't have to have an audience to know how good my material is anymore, thankfully. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine if I needed, because for years, I needed that instant feedback and live reaction to gauge what I was doing right or wrong. So if I hadn't found my voice yet, I would be work because it's it's hopefully going to get better and i do i do see like you I, i've been out to some open mics where i've seen some of the newer faces that i i appreciate their kind of just drive yeah there's some that are going to come up uh dustin burkert's working his ass off he's the first name that comes to mind as far as a comic that started at not the best time but is mm. is making it work so maybe it's just going to make their cream rise to the top better i don't know how to say it other than that that's pretty much why I go to open mics anymore is just to see who's tr- working on shit, just mm-hmm. to see who's testing things out, who's making progress, who's actually writing. Maybe maybe a wealthy inventor will come along and <laughs> open club. a comedy club <laughs> called Bottoms Up Comedy Club maybe. Uh, and, and save us all. Uh, save us, save us, Josh. You're our only hope. <laughs> I have, if you guys, it's an audio medium. I have my hair in the Princess Leia. All right, let's wrap this up. So let's give, uh, what were your guys' thoughts on the show last night compared to this afternoon? This afternoon was way better. Yeah, it was night and day. Yeah, I was actually really shocked because last night, uh, as I started the transgender material, it, it was, as usual, silence, which is what I want. But I heard one fainful, <laughs> and tonight... Silence, but for a different reason. Very, very yeah. moved by the story and very uh, touched. And I uh, shout out to Charlie, who I met after the show. is really cool. And then uh, the woman with the co- composition notebook S on her shirt. Uh, she was very sweet. And so Benton has actually been really cool. I really like Jeff. I worked Jeff with him. No, I no. opened for him years ago on a New Year's Eve show. Right. Uh, and he he cares. Like... They do so. He does so much, and he's a comic, so you kind of understand. Sure. But he does so much right uh, that I really want. Yeah, I wanted to shout him out. I just want. This has been a very, very yeah. good no, weekend so far. Tremendously nice and kind to us, the staff there. The food's fucking awesome. Oh my god, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I made myself sick on the uh, pasta and shrimp last night. That was uh, delightful. But no, I mean, the I like the environment. It's different. It's weird. I mean. Yeah, comedy. weird in a good way. Yeah, it. yeah. You see comedy where it turns into one of those things that, like, you know, we're doing like a a show out of a Chinese restaurant. Like that was like for me one of those before I ever started. I was like, I want to do a Chinese restaurant show just once. Didn't know it was going to be the first six months. <laughs> uh, Josh, give me your thoughts since because again, I was super proud to see how far you've come and just shit for even four years. That's a pretty phenomenal because right. yeah, you you went. Uh, you you just you're 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 a regular comedian now. Like right. I don't even think yeah. of you as somebody who, uh, you know, I had like I. But we'll cut all this out. <laughs> Give me your thoughts of how you've gone from when you started to now. Uh, what is your view on on the the life of a comedian mm. from where you started, and is it what you thought it was going to be? Um, I mean, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. It is so akin. To starting a company, mm. it is not even funny. Like they're the exact, it's the exact same set of principles. It's the exact same process. Sure. It's just comedy versus pitching a company. So instead of pitching to investors, I now have a crowd of people that I'm pitching jokes to. Right. It's it's just it's the same same drive, same yeah. same everything. 
and your your marketing is great. Go ahead and pitch that shirt. Are they available online? <laughs> no, they're not available online. You got to see me. Why the fuck not? Because I run a company and I don't want to be selling drug awareness shirts. <laughs> <laughs> fair. That is fair. Yeah, uh, drug uh, enjoyment awareness. You had a good dare, officer, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Dare just made me want to try drugs. Right, I, don't, I, yeah, think that, I think that was the thing they found proved in that program. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, it only got more awesome. kids on drugs. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what it looks like, and that's where I bought <laughs> it. Sweet. <laughs> Our dare cop literally sat for a half hour reading out a funny gang member names to us once. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel bad because we right. we we actually have to now get ready for our yeah. final show of the weekend, uh, and I know yeah, it feels like like tonight. Wait, like this this is being cut so short. What well, it's kind of Josh's fault because he had to go get a water at one point before we started <laughs> recording and it delayed us. So I'm sorry. Blame Josh, friend of the show, yeah. Josh Springer. I'll take it. Make sure uh, make sure when you see. Out in the wild, bottoms up, the uh, bottoms up, warp speed, hands free beer system. Make sure you tell the owner of that bar, hey, I like what you're doing here, pal. <laughs> and uh, Rhett, where can people find you? Uh, anywhere that'll have me, really. Uh, online, just find me, Rhett Castile, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. All right, look for Rhett Castile on Craigslist. Josh, where can people find you? At the Josh Springer on all social media platforms. And where can people find that wonderful, game-changing, evolutionary company to develop Bottoms Up? Go to bottomsupbeer.com and look at our customer map. You can find somewhere to check it out in person. And you can find us at Subject Comedy or Subjective Comedy, wherever you look. All right, guys. You know the catchphrase. Remember, if you didn't think this episode was funny... Fuck you. Comedy is subjective! Oh. <laughs>